Hello, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural Wheelman Podcast. I'm Matt here with Zach. We're going to be discussing everything NASCAR, whether it's race recaps, previews of race, betting advice, any news, including silly season. We will be covering it. And uh, I guess we'll just jump right in with uh, any news that's happened this past week. And Zach, uh, what we got? Uh, so, yeah, they restarted next-gen testing, uh, which they put off since coronavirus hit. So Custer tested uh, the, 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 it's 2022 is coming out. Um, they tested out at Dover on Monday and Tuesday, uh, which is good because this car is coming out in a year and a half and you missed out on like six months of testing. Yeah, it was originally slated for this upcoming season, uh, 2021 season. But of course, like Zach mentioned with the coronavirus definitely was delayed. Uh, it's going to be interesting too, though, because with this, uh, they're trying to cut down on just expenses for all the teams. Uh, some small notes have been the five lug nuts are going down to one lug nut. Uh, they, they're keeping that same like 550 horse uh, engine, and they're hoping just to bring some more team owners and the just differentiation in. And we've seen one already last week with uh, Justin Marks, former driver, jumping in. Yeah, he's trying to find a charter because getting into NASCAR is uh, obviously not very easy, and you don't want to just roll up to the track with a 2017 Toyota and expect to be competitive. So it's definitely will be interesting though, just having that new car but speaking of the current car one of the issues we've seen recently has been just that dog days of summer a lot of the heat going on and they actually made a big change uh with the passenger window there's a big slot they're actually taking out open it up so air can fully go through as we see was it yaley had the issue on sunday yeah so he also had an equipment issue he uh his helmet was blowing in hot air instead of cool air not ideal as a driver no, you do not that's want not that. ideal yeah um and as Fox points out in every single broadcast, it's NBC now, but Fox always had the thermometer. Oh, yeah, and so yeah. so it's always, <laughs> always steadily rising above, like, 130 degrees. That was their way they could talk up Jimmy Johnson and his great fitness. You know, he, ride, he rides bikes. He does with Matt Kenseth. Yeah, look out for that. So, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll, oh, look, it's, a, it's 120 degrees in the car. So, uh, just picture how hot these drivers are all this suit and equipment on. Yeah, classic Fox. Um, I mean, other than some uh, – Darlington paint schemes, which we'll cover later on when they're all released. Um, oh, I saw a Bubba scheme came out for Columbia. It actually looked pretty cool. Yeah, it did look sweet. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Bass Pro Shop looks, uh, with like just same color combo as ish, with the like that tealish blue. Then it cuts to like a like a orangey yellow, I think it was. But it gives you that outdoor feel, which definitely Columbia is uh shooting for with uh, Bubba. Yeah, and I mean it's it's great to see new sponsorships on the forty three instead of the Victory Junction and the classic STP. I wish they used STP more. I feel like they only use it when they they sponsor the Martinsville race, and they always do the STP car for that. I think that's something that's definitely been lacking. Like I said, it's always the Victory Junction and like other random ones. Where it looks like exact McDonald's same car. Too, he'll get McDonald's every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely good seeing some uh, some more again different schemes. We we're big fans of seeing different schemes every week. Yes. Uh, so you want to get into the Drovel recap? Yeah, so let's start off with, I think you have, just for figures of it, uh, just the overall viewership was interesting because it was definitely an increase we've seen previously. Yeah, so NBC had, they, and this is including streams too, they had 3.26 million viewers, which is up almost 500,000 from last year's Watkins Glen race for comparison because this is basically what was repairing or replacing that race. Um so that's good. One thing it's too, maybe it led to the increased viewership was 
the Daytona Road Course, something NASCAR has never actually raced on. It's a 14-turn, 3.6-mile course. be the longest course NASCAR's ever ran in the modern day. And it just gives you that element of surprise, kind of like the Rover. We haven't seen anything like it. There's been no practices. The drivers can only do the iRacing on it. So I kind of give you some intrigue. And those numbers are definitely stand out to me. I want to bring it up first because they were still competing against, like, the NBA, the NHL, the MLB. When the normal Sundays in the summer, you may have a golf tournament. You may have a baseball. But outside of that, there's another competition for them. Yeah, and I think it helped a lot, too, because a casual fan won't watch an Xfinity race. And if you watch the Xfinity race on Saturday – you might have tuned out if you weren't like diehard because that, that it was, was dumpster fire. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely wild. The just the amount of chicanes missed, spuns had, and it's so frustrating too because you always think a spin is going to cause a caution. Like watching NASCAR, you're programmed to think it's going to cause yeah. a caution, and you see these schlubs just spinning and spinning and spinning, and everyone's just driving right by them, and. It's like, what the hell is going on out here? I personally, I like it. It's almost like playing the old NASCAR video games. You turn cautions off, and you get dumped or something, and you just get back in the track and keep on going. I, I would just start going backwards at that point, though. Right, and that would not trigger caution either. <laughs> but really what the NASCAR calls the cautions for road courses, it has to be a safety issue. So someone's clearly stalled uh, or a, like a blown tire that shoots debris onto the track, something like that. But if you spin out, you can obviously get yourself back and you're back in the track. They won't call a caution, which helps the race flow, especially because the caution laps, the tracks that big take forever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and it, so going to the actual race, uh, it, it was watching the Xfinity. We kind of expected a, another dumpster fire. So, Better, obviously, because you you have better drivers, but still a lot of missed chicanes, a lot of missed turns, especially going into turn one. Um, and it, we didn't really have that, to be honest. It was a really smooth race, and it was even funny because afterwards we heard that the top four uh, restarters at the beginning of the race, I believe, was Harvick, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Truex. They actually had a conversation about... Do not be like everyone relax. Don't overdrive that first turn. It's a long race. We got to look professional here. As we saw the Xfinity overdrive turn multiple times. And the, the Roval, we had uh, a, a historic uh, when BK and Larson missed the first turn. So it's something they try to avoid this year and make sure that like they look as professional as can be and it'll look a little bit better than the Xfinity did. But the Xfinity also got the wet course, where it was uh, obviously a dry course for the, the cup drivers. Yeah, but even with the Roval, though, they at least had practice. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, you're going in completely blind. Obviously, these guys had some sort of iRacing simulation time this week, because you can't just let these guys go in completely blind. Uh, but, I mean, they handled it very well. There were a lot of incidents still they didn't cause cautions I believe there's only mm -hmm. one caution for an actual wreck which was kyle bush who just lost all brakes the whole race and he blew both his tires out rear tires out uh there was one delay for a lightning there was a two stage cautions but outside of that it was a pretty just almost relaxing or very just uneventful race yeah, I don't know if relaxed would be the right word, um, especially with the dollar amounts on the line. But I was uneventful, very, yes, I would agree I was that. very relaxed picking the nine watching that race. Yeah, well, must be nice. <laughs> As someone with a 19 who, early on, I was totally fine, like, sweet. Chase is way in the back. I'm not even worried about it. And then you see Chase start creeping up and creeping up yeah, and let, creeping up. Yeah, let's go through. Let's, yeah. let's go through the recap, yeah. recap here and explain why we are <laughs> – one of us is upset, one of us is uh, – Clearly happy. Yeah, so, I mean, if we just want to start out with how rail Chase has been, this is third straight road course win going back to Watkins Glen and uh, the Roval last yep. year. 
It's his fourth overall in four out of six of his last road course races he's won, which is tied with Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch for the most of active drivers. It's just crazy to think about it. You think of Harvick's been racing since 01. I think Kyle Busch is 04, 05, and Chase is relatively new. I want to say four or five years he's been in Cup, and he already has four wins. Really, really shows the dominance he's been on the road courses of late. Yeah, and the road courses really just take away all the speed. So you, you can see these guys who are actual wheelmen. Yeah. Um, and guys who rely so much on their speed. Not saying, obviously, Harvick and Kyle Busch didn't have a very good day, but it's not knocking their driving ability. They're just not road course guys now in this stage of their career. Yeah, Harvick's been really consistent on the road course. Again, he doesn't have he's that. Not a, he's not a guy you expect to win. It looks like as we the odds showed and the art pick showed, Truex and Elliott are just a class to field week in and week out every single time they hit the road courses. I think Truex now has finished uh, – Six of the last eight races in the top three, and he's got I think two or three wins. And Elliott again has the four wins, so you almost pencil one of them in as a road course winner every week. Yeah, and uh, I mean they pretty much the first stage was uh, Denny actually led most most of the first stage, which was kind of surprising because Denny's not a guy who you'd expect to. He's going to be good, but he's not a guy you'd expect to lead a majority of the first I, stage. Yeah, I think he's had like one Sonoma win, and but he reminds me of that Harvick where he might run up front. But you don't expect him to be a contender all day long. And I think Truex actually passed him late in the stage to, I think it was maybe five or six to go in the stage to take over. Uh, and then, of course, what many road course happens is the stage results aren't really like uh, indicative of how the race was going because they will the, all the t- leaders will pit before the stage ends, so the fresh tires, and they'll some, set themselves up for the restart after the stage as opposed to sitting for stage points. And these stages are really deceiving, too. Because it was only 15 laps, but it's a three-point whatever mile course you said. Six, yeah. 3.6. These laps took forever. It was insane. I want to say – I didn't see an exact count, but I want to say on average they were like two-minute laps. It, they had to have been. They were so slow. Which is by – I think the longest before that – I don't recall the robe off the top of my head, but Watkins Glen's around like a minute 10 to minute 15. Sonoma's right around a minute 10 as well. And just seeing like almost double that, that's just absolutely insane. Yeah, opinion. it was very like my timeline was all messed up. Cause I'm like, oh, these guys are about to cross the finish line. He's like, oh no, they're actually only in the back stretch still. Yeah. Other <laughs> um, notes yes. from stage one we have. I know uh, Chase slavishly worked his way up and he actually was surprising because he stayed out for stage one and took the stage one win. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else do we have in stage one that was a big mover? Uh, oh, Kyle Busch, an issue, right? Yeah, he flat-spotted his tires about f- four laps in, came down in pit, and came back on the radio about two laps later. He's like, yeah, I don't have any grip anymore. Which, yeah. not ideal in a uh, six laps in, you're two sets of tires in, and you have nine laps to go in the stage. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he showed speed, but again, he, one of these races was so much uncertainty, you should maybe back it down a little bit and at least get, like, one stage in, if you know you have a decent car, keep hold all your equipment and then run for the end of it. Yeah. And it looked like Kyle Busch, I, I think he missed the same, that same chicane off too, twice. The, like, or the bus loop twice. Yeah. And, and just, I think that beginning, he just kind of got in his own head and he was just rattled the rest of the yeah, race. Yeah, and he actually did bounce back outside of uh, Truex and Hamlin there changing the lead. Was there any other highlights where he had to go on in stage one? Uh, I mean, Denny looked great until he had that tire rub. And then he was forced to bring it down, which gave Chase the lead, and he ended up staying out. I think that was actually when uh, Truex, when he was passing Hamlin, got into him, and then Hamlin had yes. a pit, then Truex pit from the lead, which then gave, uh, gave Elliott the stage one win. Yes, yes, that is correct. 
Uh, other than that, stage one really wasn't that eventful. Um, stage two was pretty much Truex. Yep. All it was all Truex. Uh, Chase got up. Chase got up to second with probably about ten laps to go in the stage. Or no, probably a little less than that. Probably about seven to six five laps to go. Um, and he was. Probably about four seconds back at Truex when he got the second. Yeah, he was starting to chip away. You could see it. it wasn't anything drastic, but you could really start to see the the cream of the crop rise up, which I think Ham was up there as well. He got back up there even with that, that tire issue. But it was the, the 9, the 19, 11 really started to move to the front, and everyone else just seemed to be battling off for the rest of the field because those three were clear the, like the class of the field. Yeah, and it, it really was only 9 and 19. 11 put out a go, good showing, but 19 and 9 was – it was them two versus the rest of the field, and I would have loved to see them race, but Truex got a speeding penalty when he came down at the end of the stage. So, again, we're just talking about every, the big thing for the stages that road courses usually the pit before the end of the stage for the strategy and the restarts after the uh, stage break. And as I mentioned, Truex, which he's done a few times in his career, just has a mistake on pit road, whether it was his fault for speeding or a pit, uh, pit crew issue. But that definitely costs him majorly because it puts him back to 37th or 38th. Yeah, tail end of the longest line. Uh, and the reason he couldn't do that was be, or he couldn't take the pass-through penalties because when he pit, pit road was then closed a lap after. And if he could have taken that, I think they said it would put him out around 14th to 15th, similar to like a Formula 1 pit stop where you can measure the gap and it's like, oh, you pit now, time takes a pit or do the pass-through, you come back out here. But because it was close, he really got the, the shaft on that one. Yeah, and I mean, you start 14th and as fast as Truex was, he could have definitely oh, yeah. challenged Chase a little bit towards, yeah. the end of, towards the end of the race, at least. It's, it still was a decently long stage, and they, when they restart all together again, it's not like uh, Chase is way ahead, which really hurt him because that's what happened in Stage 3, we saw. Yeah. And Stage 3 started, they ran one lap, and then it was red flag due to lightning, which I think everybody wanted to see the rain tires come out today. Yeah, I was Everybody wanted to see the rain tires, we didn't get them. Uh, you got him on a, the Xfinity race, so if you want to go back and watch that uh, yeah. live dumpster fire, you can go do that. Uh, <laughs> that's but... <laughs> teased us with the rain tires. Yeah, they, they then, did. then the weather teases us with the weather lightning delay. The radar teases us. We're just like, all right, well, here we go. Let's let's see them. Yeah. And it turns out, I don't think there was any rain at all. Really, we had a couple of sprinkles. No, there was nothing. I don't. I don't think there's anything. But uh, so it was red flag. I think for the minimum amount of time, which is 30 minutes for a lightning delay. Uh, they went green, and Chase was just gone. He was gone. He had a seven-second lead within a lap because the laps are so long. I believe at one point, too, the lead peaked out around like 11 to 12 seconds to second place, and that's the race where you kind of watch that. And even for someone who has Chase Elliott, I'm just watching the laps tick down because I want the race to be over with and not have a caution, which, of course, we did, which stacks the field back up. Yeah, so – why, why Matt and Chase are both pissed about that caution is after all the green flags pits cycled through, Chase was 10 seconds ahead of Hamlin and Johnson. Yeah. And you do not want to see a caution if you're Chase. That's the only thing you don't want to and see. And it was with three to go. It wasn't like yeah. it was 10 laps where all Chase get back out in front. It's like you know the race is over with. And then and Chase had similar issues this year where he has that car and then the, the late restart is something or late pit strategy where, like, he decides to pit, other leaders stay out or whatever has costed him. So it was like a deja vu moment for Chase, but luckily uh, he held it down for uh, for his supporters like myself. Yes. Um, yeah, so the caution came out because KY, Kyle Busch, absolutely destroyed his car. And yeah, I think he blew up both rear tires, right? 
I'm sure he, he his car was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And I remember the windshield wipers sticking straight up in the air. Do you know what's funny, about, you know what's funny about that was too? Was uh, he actually went to the garage because he had multiple issues. I believe it was like eight laps down. Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to this. Okay. Yes, right, we'll we'll okay. get to KY later. We have plenty okay, of time. Yeah, so the, the, the short story I was getting at was he was in the garage. He thought he was off and done for the race, and he came back out, and then he caused the caution with three laps left, which is the yeah. only caution we saw, which to yeah. me is just hilarious. Yeah. Um. So after that restart, it – Chase was in front, and he just kind of drove away again. Hamlin made it interesting on some of the turns, but it almost looked like Chase was driving a little more defensive, so he would uh, he wouldn't drive in as deep as Hamlin would. So Hamlin right to his bumper, maybe try to move him, but then Chase has had that launch off where oh, he, it, he exploded. It, out it would go corner. right back out to five tenths again. Yeah. Then it would close back into two temps going to the turn, and then Chase would just drive back off. Hamlin got again decent close to that last chicane, but again Hamlin had such a, a uh, that lead going in that chicane it wasn't an issue, uh, and I think also you don't want to move someone in the last turn when you're not clear. You want to like pull like a Jimmy Johnson at the Roval and screw someone out to win. Yeah, that'd be a real uh, shame. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that race so much. But uh, it, there's just too much respect from the driver, especially atop the class, that they're not going to try to intentionally wreck somebody with uh with again the last lap, the last turn. Yeah, so that that's our Drovel race recap. Uh, you want to get to some well, segments? What was uh, I don't know if you had available. What was the final top five? Oh, the top five. Yep. Because I know uh, Jimmy. Uh, it was Truex worked his way all the way back up to third, and then Jimmy had actually a really solid race all day long, which is always good to see. In the actually the white Ally car, which is a shock. Oh, it was a great looking and we'll car. We'll get to that too in a yeah. second. But let's give us a rundown of top ten here and uh, the final results of this one. Yep. All right. So our top ten is looking like Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Jimmy Johnson, top yeah. five, kids eat free. There we go. Uh, Chris Busher in fifth, Clint Boyer in sixth, Kaz Gralla in seventh. Uh, we'll get to him later. William Byron in eighth, Joey Logano in ninth, and forgettable paint scheme, Michael McDowell finished tenth. Uh, so big notes that would be uh, Elliott's second win of the season. And which again, every playoff point again that gives you five stage, uh, one stage win, and the five stage points for the win give him six extra playoff points, which carry through each round. Definitely important for him. And then moving into our, our segments here, oh, I'll do the playoff bubble real quick. Oh yeah, too, what we got it. here. Um, so this is between fourteenth uh, and nineteenth in points. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now in sixteenth place. William Byron is 25 points ahead of the cut line. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto is 44 points ahead of the cut line. Uh, I'll just throw Boyer in there. Uh, he should be a lock. He's yeah. 66 points ahead. But like, yeah, he's in trouble if somebody wins. If somebody Agreed. wins uh, at the next two Dover races or Daytona, which who knows at Daytona, Boyer could be in trouble. Um, below the cut line right now is Johnson at minus 25. Uh, Eric Jones is minus 35. And... Tyler Reddick needing a win is minus 57. What's interesting with the cut line here is Jones has a win at Daytona. Actually, this exact race, the summer race two years ago, his first career win. And Jimmy, we'll talk about as our sleepers in a preview for the Dover race, he's an 11-time Dover winner. Mm-hmm. And its last win actually was in Dover in 2017. He's shown speed this season, and maybe it takes a track that he's had so much success in the past that everything will click and he can actually – get back to the victory lane and that drought, but also lock himself into the playoffs and he'll chase for eight. Yeah. Some would say that Jimmy Johnson is due for a win. Um, 
I might disagree with that. I wouldn't say he's due, but... He gives promise, at least. It's not a shock if you told me Jimmy Johnson won, because he has had that speed where in the previous years, he wouldn't even run top five. This year, he's had three or four or five races where you go, maybe it was Darlington when he crashed on the lead. Texas, he was running through the field. I think he actually got to, like, third before hitting the wall. Uh... Daytona, he was it was running. It was Talladega. He's running the top five for uh, Harvick. Got into him. Kentucky's one of the fastest cars in the field for BK. Got into him. Uh, so he's had the cars that you like. You, you want to you see. The, you notice the trend of all these Johnson. Uh, a good lot runs. A lot of incidents with other cars and walls. Some might think he doesn't see these other cars. Oh well, maybe he needs glasses like Joe Logano pulled up. Mm. Joey, let Jimmy borrow your glasses for a race. <laughs> Just one race, please. You guys can share wine. Go buy a case of Mike's Heart <laughs> Lemonade. Guys. You guys can throw, go for a bike ride in the park drinking Mike's Heart. Uh, so let's go into our segments here of the race. Our first segment is going to be the uh, I've done all I can move of the day. This is basically someone who had a really tough day and made the best of it or someone where you, they made the best equipment, but they pulled it out of their ass and they finished strong. Yeah, so my uh, I've done all I can move of the day is Quinn Huff. Um I mean, half the time, the guy doesn't really know where he is on the track. So, he started 35th and finished 33rd. Uh, kudos to you, Quinn Huff. Thank you for not crashing anybody trying to get into pit road today. Um, <laughs> just an overall good effort by Quinn Huff. And I'll just throw this one in. Uh, Brendan Gone coming off of a coronavirus diagnosis a few weeks ago. Dude, he finished like 38th, though. Uh, he, he finished dead last. Yeah. I, I had him in FanDuel lineups. So did I. And he, they, they said he's an RCR car. I got my hopes. I'm like, okay, maybe he'll finish 31st. The guy had Corona, all right? Let's... We don't talk about Jimmy having Corona. Well, he finished top five. Yeah. He was railed. Why wasn't gone railed? Guy screwed me over. I mean, he's in the 62. It's an RCR car. It was probably a 2018 RCR car. Oh, that's a bad point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my move of the day was actually a weird one here. So, it's an untraditional one we're going to pick for this, but I'm going Kevin Harvick for the sole reason of he's old. You can't take his stuff. You can tell these new, he's not using old dog, new tricks. Adding a new course like this, you can tell he did not want anything to do with it. He was running pretty well, actually. Then Bell dumped him, and he, and then he didn't get back right through that bus loop. He didn't actually get back in the track, kind of sat in his car and simmered a little bit. Then he spun out another <laughs> once or twice, and I think he was running at 37th at one point. And you can tell he's like, I'm done with this race. Like, can we move this on? I got such a huge lead in the points. I got all these wins. Like, let's go to Dover. Let's keep it going. Let's move the season on. Uh, but he ended up finishing 17th. And for everything I just said, I think a 17th for being as low as he was that late in the race is in stage three. And a track that he's never been at, just I thought it was a very nice move of the day for him. Yeah, I think that's the respect move of the day. Like, everyone's just <laughs> yeah. kind of letting him go by. Like, oh, Kevin, what are you doing back here? Go ahead. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> they think they think like the blue flag from Formula 1. Oh, yeah. is that the leader coming yeah. through? All right, let him by, let him by, let him by. Um, our next segment is, did Kyle Busch win? Quick answer? No. Nice. Our uh, next one would be, did Jimmy Johnson crash? So, kind of, but he didn't cause a caution. I don't know if I know he got into something for sure because his car had a giant like trash bag across the grill. <laughs> yeah. I believe uh, it was an ally sponsored trash bag though. It definitely helps for uh, your aerodynamics for him. That's probably why he was flying, just like when Truex cut off half his front fascia at Martinsville. Yeah. I thought they were gonna do that again. They brought the saw out and <laughs> road at one point. <laughs> yeah. But uh we're gonna say Jimmy did not crash, but we'll put a asterisk as he definitely drilled somebody. 
he did his best to cause <laughs> caution <laughs> at one point. He definitely tried. Uh, our next one's going to be, why'd you stay out? Uh, this usually happens when you'll see a late restart somewhere and someone, for a reason, didn't pit or took two tires. Usually the end of stages, some guys are fighting for the extra bonus points. Uh, there wasn't many cautions. We didn't have much of that. But my why'd you stay out was Chase Elliott, which is another weird pick because he won the race. But like we mentioned, the, the uh, talking about the recap of the race, strategy road courses is you pit at the end of stages, so then you, have, you keep your track position going to the restarts. He gave that up. He was going to be second going in, and he gave that up to win the stage. And usually I would question and pitch about 24-7, but luckily he redeemed himself with a win. But that was like a potential, why'd you stay out? Yeah, so devil's advocate over here, when you're the best car by a mile, I think you can kind of afford to take some risks like that because even if you do end up having to come back down pit road, you're not too worried about making those spots back up. The, the only thing that was the only competition really we were talking about was Truex, and Truex didn't have that issue yet. But, yeah, he knows he's a top two car. I think that's more like uh, the confidence of having three straight wins yeah. on road courses. That's just knowing like you have a game plan coming in. Yeah, and he's just – or two straight wins by mistake. And, uh, but just being like, do you know what? I'm just going to go out here. I'm going to stay out. Fuck it. Why do I care? <laughs> exactly. Uh, did you uh, have any for the – why'd you stay out? Yeah, I had two. So my first one was the 27 uh, combined J.J. Yaley, Bailey Curry car. Oh, um, that's a rare driver swap going yeah, on. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm getting at here is if you're <laughs> swapping out your driver at any point during the race, probably just put it in the garage. Um, at no point was the 27 in any contention of anything really. Uh, and then J.J. Yaley had that helmet issue where he was getting just hot air blown into his face. That, that's the most important thing if you think about it. Is it's not like a situation we've had years in the past where I remember Dale Jr. one year uh, would have like the, the foot injury or maybe it was Kyle Busch with the foot injury and they would switch drivers halfway through the race because they wanted the owner's points still. When you have an actual like health concern on your car, then you're going and finding the only person in the whole garage that has a driver's suit on, which was Bailey Curry. And be like, hey, man, I'll go hop in this hot box real quick. Yeah, I think Bailey Curry just kind of like sits around in his home in a fire suit just in case. Uh, just for this exact reason, if somebody needs to fill him in. But so they have different helmets. Is that is that like a car thing? Is that a helmet thing? Like, think- how can you put another guy into a car that's already having issues? I don't know the. I didn't read the details of it, but it had it been. I feel like every driver has their own helmet. It's kind of like the seats are fitted. I, my guess would be every driver brings their own helmet. Maybe there's fans, especially in especially with the corona going on too. Yeah, maybe. Well, was, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they probably want to. Sh- well, yeah. I mean, the twenty seven is a low fund operation. <laughs> I think it was like the maybe it was like the piece that actually was connected the hose to the to the helmet could have been an issue, or maybe they when they pulled the alley out it was an easy fix, but. Regardless, uh, it was good making sure that the guy's okay and getting him out of there. Yeah. Um, my other one was Kyle Busch, and it's not a why did you st- – well, it could be a why did you stay out, but why did you come back out? Because <laughs> he had a broken brake rotor, Yeah. <laughs> and he went into the garage. He went down eight laps. Went down eight laps, with that, which at that point you're just done. Like any sensible driver would just get out of the car and call it a day. He comes back onto the track and completely destroys his car, bringing out a caution with, I think it was five to go, and they went green three to go. Yeah. But Chase Elliott's just sitting there like, dude, what the fuck did I do to you? <laughs> like, besides flip you off going when you're going around turn one. Yeah, when you dumped him, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, deserved. Yeah, what the fuck did I do to you, guy? Uh, I was, 
that's a thing where if you're bailing, if it's a Byron, if we talk those bubble guys, if it's Johnson Jones, uh, even Boyer or something like that, you need all the points you can get. You can see the pressure is starting at Kyle Busch not winning a race to the point now when he's down eight laps. Usually that's like when he had crashed in the pedigree cart in New Hampshire where he gets on the golf cart and goes home. This is like Adam Stevens is probably like, Kyle, maybe go back out there and grab us some positions because we may actually need those points. The way you're racing and crashing, <laughs> wrecking things, we may need those points. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's usually he usually has about three, four wins by now. Yeah, I mean, he's, so he's this been, is very unprecedented. Yeah, for Kyle I think Bush it's right been now. dating back to uh, last season. I think one win in like forty-five plus races, somewhere yeah. around that. It was, and luckily, the one race he won was Homestead, so he got a title out of it. But he's definitely been the struggle bus this year. Uh, he may be able to turn around, but it's it's going to be a it's getting very close to we're not seeing the results that you want to see. Yeah. Um. So next segment is just park it, which kind of goes with why did you stay out for in some cases but just park it means like your car is terrible just throw it in the garage make a hard left on pit road yep. put it in the garage prime example uh last couple of weeks if you're watching the races would be matt kenseth at new hampshire yeah new, at new hampshire when after he spun out two or three times he just goes yeah i'm done and his car he still could race the car puts mm-hmm. it in the garage that's a savvy veteran move <laughs> that's that is just, a savvy I'm, veteran i'm going home ride bikes with jimmy yeah uh, and then the other one I think was uh, John Hunter did the same thing after he crashed like a third time. He just says, all right, I'll put it in the garage now uh, right. at Michigan. Yeah, after he blew the same tire twice. So my choice was the obvious one. I don't have any other ones. Mine's Kyle Busch. It wasn't just that he had the only caution in the race for crashing, but he sp- flat-spotted tires that we talked about. He also missed chicanes where you get the, the, the stop penalty. So I couldn't really find anybody else for it. Uh, the only other guy I really would have for it was Ryan Blaney, but I'll touch on him in a second. Uh, so I guess I'm going Kyle Busch, just at default. Yeah, so I use Kyle, and why did my why did you stay out? So this one I have Eric Amarola, and it's just because he started sixth and just he just didn't really do anything. He finished 24th. It was very uneventful. Like you saw Rolla just kind of free falling at one point in the race. He's not a real big road racer. Yeah. That kind of part of it, but I think he was forced to stay out because he had the gold bowling card mm. at the gold bowling 235. So for the sponsors, gotta give him some airtime. He didn't get much airtime in 24th place. That's true. Yeah. Unlike those uh, goal bowling uh, signs that got oh, lit yeah. up. Oh, yeah. bowling pins. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't get the strike, though. Uh, going to tracks changing, basically, races go from day to night, or uh, we'll see with the PJ1 wears out or the more heat in the track. We'll start to see, like, start from drivers, becomers, and goers. My track changing is going to be the reverse way, Ryan Blaney. Uh, he... Didn't really have that much speed all race, but he's a historically strong road course racer. He had four straight top eights, including a win going into it. He's been lightning fast all year. He's been a pretty consistent top five contender week in and week out. He got up to the top 10, flirted with her most of the race, and he did have a speeding penalty, but he finished 31st. And I tried looking back during like the after like the race was over with and trying to figure out how he got back there because I don't recall Blaney ever being that far back. So my track's changing for whatever reason, even with the speeding penalty. I don't know how he went from that like, mid-teens where he's like the whole race to 31st. Yeah, Blaney just didn't have it. I, I don't think he had it, and then he had that penalty, and it was just kind of a sealed fate. I didn't even know he had a speeding penalty. I had old Bob Potcrass tweet out, and I was like, oh. Okay. Shout out Bob Pockrest. Yeah. He Bob's fuels a G. this 
podcast. <laughs> um, my track's changing is Chris Busher. Oh, nice. Because he started 21st and is an undercover road course guy, finishing 6th in a Roush Fenway. It was very impressive. Yeah. He was a sneaky 6th place. 5th place. 5th place. Sorry, I wrote it down wrong. Busher is a sneaky road course racer at JTG. He might even pick it up from the old dinger. But he used to race, I remember, like, Watkins Glen every year. He'd run nothing crazy, but, like, McDowell-esque. They'd run that, like, 11th to 15th, which is overperforming for what the car usually runs. So you kind of notice that that's more the road courses we kind of touched on is more driver skilled than the actual equipment you're in. And it was really nice seeing some different guys in the top 10 this week. Yeah, it was. Um, and so that'll kind of go into our best over and under segment. So the best cars, I mean, is kind of unanimous with chasing truex yep easy yeah there, there's really no debate no argument um I we didn't get to see them race each other so we don't obviously chase one but it's hard to tell who like was the overall better car if they would have been racing each other one of the things is interesting too is like we're saying they actually could push each other it's because you look at the the, the the loop data provides truex jr actually had the fastest short run speed the fastest long run speed uh he even had the fastest green flag speed so i have a question on the long run speed what is classified as a long run at a course that's only 60 laps uh and you have 15 laps it's, it's the final 25 percent of the run so depending when the caution hits you make the final 25 percent of that and the the early run is the first 25 percent mm. so again it all depends on the cautions or the pit cycles happen that's to be considered the end of the run and then the start of the run mm. uh then green flag speed is just obviously anytime there's green flag uh racing and they just average all those laps together truex was the fastest uh chase was top five in every single metric as well it's just it's one of those things where maybe truex in that penalty he may have been slightly better but we never got to see them actually duke it out like we saw at watkins Glen last year yeah how they were one two the whole race and it's just nice seeing the battle back and forth yeah real shame we didn't get to see it because there Tough was break. there <laughs> There is no good racing uh, <laughs> during that entire race. And then the last last note I had for the best car would be Chase actually had 18 of the fastest laps of the race, and Truex had 16. But Truex, again, also got mired in traffic for, what was that, 10 to 15 laps. Yeah, so, yeah a good amount of – I'd probably say about half of stage three he yeah, was back in traffic. So that that could have almost washed out or leaned towards Truex. But they again, Truex – Truex Hamlin, or sorry, Truex Elliott were the by far the best two. Hamlin was the third best. That was a dramatic fall off from there. Yes. Uh, moving on to the overachievers, uh, we, I, we, we probably have, have the same three, three guys. Yeah. I'll just roll through them if you have any takes uh, or any informa- information on them. It's McDowell finishing 10th. It was only his third top 10 of the season. It's nice seeing that out of him. Oh, the season? Correct. Oh, I thought you were going to say of like career the, since he signed with. <laughs> <laughs> within 34 no, no. <laughs> I think he had a top 10 at Pocono and a top 10 at Indy. I think the Indy one was a wreck fest, though. Oh, so good for him. He snuck in there. Uh, Busher, you mentioned. Uh, it was his first top five since the Daytona 500. Uh, only top 10, or only his fifth top 10 of the season. And then finally, uh, old Kaz Garala finishing seventh, subbing in for Austin Dillon. That's got to be wild, just hopping in the cup car for the first time. Jumping into the an RCRC and no expectations, but it was in the normal sub is uh, AJ Allmendinger, but he wasn't allowed to race because he raced the Xfinity race and they NASCAR said for the road course they don't want to have guys doing practice with the road uh, the road course in the Xfinity then hop in a cup and of course Austin Dillon was not available due to COVID, but I don't know if you had any more information on those three guys. 
I mean, Kaz Grala, like, talk about getting into a race where nobody has an advantage over you, where nobody else knows this track, and you come in just all hyped up on adrenaline, and you're you're you let a lap at one point too, and it kind of they kind of stayed out at the end, which is why they finished where they finished, but. Talk about a fucking seventh place finish. I don't even know if Austin Dill would have finished seventh in that car. No, I think it's definitely a, you tip the cap to Grala there. Any way you put it, that was you can say that's the best run of the day, even over a Truex or an Elliott. And he had yeah, he had to go all the way to the back of the field because they switched drivers. It was just very impressive, and he's a young RCR guy. Uh, it'd be interesting down the line if maybe this such a like impressive performance if he draws any attention from other teams in the silly season. Or if we see him maybe in two years, maybe taking the 13 car, or if RCR expands at three cars, who knows? But he definitely put his name in the map this week. Yeah, it's kind of a Hemrick situation where the guy pops up for a race, and you're like, oh, all right. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. wait a minute. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and then he gets a full-time ride, and you're like, oh, yeah. all right. I think RCR, though, they, they had to take Reddick. If you didn't take Reddick, you're losing Reddick. And he's definitely oh, showing 100%. his tail. So it's definitely although, smart although 31 car, I think, is way better than the 8 car. I'll agree with that actually, because yeah. the eight, all I think is Dale Jr. and someone should not retired. Just put that thing out of circulation or change the the number styling. Yeah, make it rounded off like it used to be. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I think I'm Busher or uh, McDowell here. I know you hated McDowell's paint scheme, but he's a known I, road. It wasn't racer. even that I hated it. I didn't know what it was, and I don't remember it. It was red and black. Mm, often confused with John Hunter Nemechek's Death Wish Coffee. Uh, it might be freight auctions actually in the. FR8 you, you could tell me anything at this point. I would believe you. I'm going to go freight auctions question mark. Uh, it was nice. McDowell, he, big road course racer. He was, wasn't he top five at one point? Yeah, I think he started the restart actually top five or top three, and then he got shuffled back a little bit, mm-hmm. but he definitely ran well. He pit late too, which he was upset about, but worked his way back at the 10th. Yeah. So, I mean, good for you, Mike. Good for you. Um, and then underachiever, I mean, I only have one, and it's Kyle Busch, just because I – Thought he might be able to do something in this race. He, he showed he speed. Sh- in the, like, the start of the race, him and Denny kind of drove away from everybody. Mm-hmm. And then he flat-spotted both of his tires. <laughs> and after that, it was just kind yeah. of a shit show. <laughs> that was relatively early. <laughs> yeah, it was very early. Lap three. <laughs> I don't know, first, something like the that. The first six laps of Kyle Busch's race was not how you wanted to start. Do you know what's crazy, too? Before he blew his brakes out, he actually... Got up to second or third place. He's right behind Kurt at the middle of stage two or right beginning of stage three. But then, of course, more more issues and the brakes yeah. the brakes ended up blowing out. He also had pit road help too, because yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he stayed out the first stage. Yeah. So he got he got all those positions back, yeah. and then he did, he he's, just he's didn't, an alternate strategy. Didn't have it. Uh, I also had Kyle Busch was a given. We already touched him touched him a lot. My other guys can be Ryan Blaney again, just because that's what track's changing, but. When he did have a speeding penalty, but he was not top 10 any metric. I touched on his top 10 speed and road courses historically. And he actually had the 23rd best driver rating, which pretty much sums up his day as, uh, like, was not good. I, I don't know if you can hear this, but there is an army of dogs barking outside. I so trying to, trying to just, just in case anybody hears it, we're not being attacked by rabid dogs. <laughs> what? Tell nigga nights. <laughs> wild packs of stray dogs. <laughs> um, all right, so you want to go to best and worst schemes? Oh, this is actually one of our favorite segments. We love the paint schemes, and there was a lot of them. I'm with Zach or Rapid Fire. Give me three of them. Uh, so I'll I'll give you, I'll give you one, for sure. 
Just I don't want to steal your thunder. Thank you. Um, so the 27 car, I love video games. So to see, I mean, not a great game, but He 5 was on the cover. Nerd. Um, what a nerd. Yeah. And then uh, Xbox on the side. Yeah. I've grown up playing Xbox. It's great to see it on a car. Yeah. It's unusual to see it on a car. Usually it's like a default paint scheme. You start like, hey, pre-order this game and get the GameStop edition car. That's almost yeah. like it was. Like, yeah, it's, it's not it. like they actually run the car. You just get it in the game and <laughs> never use it. Yeah. You're like, oh, this guy has one alternate paint scheme. Let me see. Oh, yeah, it's that shitty Xbox Pre- one. Pre-order that, bonus. Yeah, that GameStop gave me. Cool, thanks. Um, Another one I'll go with is the, the Jimmy Johnson white ally car was sick. Yeah. I like it a lot better than the black. We we touched on uh, just watching the races together that Jimmy's ally car isn't we don't mind it the black one but when they run the same scheme every single race he's no secondary sponsors it's a, it's a Jimmy Johnson ally black forty eight for thirty six races maybe he changes up for like the Darlington throwback race I think there's one race is a Jimmy Johnson Foundation that ally like also like will sponsor him for but there really isn't any differentiation. And it was definitely good seeing that he said it was for uh, the bad luck out in the black, then he switches to white. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very fitting, though, that it's going to be in time for the next races to Dover. He used to use the Dover white Lowe's car, they used to mm. call it. And maybe it's what maybe that white such a white uh, – it, it's uh, a hint, foreshadowing. Yeah, so – and with going to Dover, um, Ally is sponsoring that uh, the monster – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they put the Jimmy Johnson car in the monster hand. Oh, nice. they put the black one. Oh, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll change. They have time to change it still. Shit. They, that's a lot of work. Damn, what kind of die casting it is? Like a one... I, it's the real car. Oh, it's a full car? Yes, it's so, a full car. It's like a one-to-one. Yes. One-to-one ratio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, shit. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it doesn't look like he has that big of a hand, the monster, yeah. but he is the, the hand the size of a car. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's like Andre the Giant with beers. You ever seen pictures of that? That's oh, Wax like is holding the double A battery. I tangent. Any other schemes? Um, I mean, I have a lot too, so yeah, we can rifle I, yeah, through I'm all sure these. I'm we'll sure co- we'll cover all these. The, uh, I'll just say it, the 37 Perina dog food car, I thought was sick. I stared at it. I even mentioned, what the hell was, who was that car? It says 37. And one of you guys were like, oh, no, that's the the dog food. I'm like, oh, okay, makes sense. But I had no idea who was that at first. Yeah, so it's kind of weird not seeing a car sponsored by dog food hit the wall. Uh, but it was a nice nice change of pace. <laughs> kind of yeah, it was a nice – I mean, Perino over pedigree, I think this is kind of – Oh, I like it. Yeah. That's not even a hot take. That's facts. Yeah. I wouldn't give my dog's dog pedigree food. Nice. Yeah. Get him. Yeah. I don't even have two dogs. Nice. Yeah. Mark it down. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, the red and black, it had like the, I think the checker, kind of the checker pattern on it, because that's yeah. on the Perina bags. Yep. Um, yeah, that, those are my three. I have more, but we'll let you go. All right, my number one is, and Zach did give it to me, because it's, I love Kevin Harvick. I love the old Bush cars he runs, and Bush is about fire this year. They gave the uh, the annual Bush National Forest Foundation car, and they did a fantastic job, hit out of the park. Uh, had a nice, like, nighttime, like, Glow it was it. almost like a, like Aurora Borealis, like the Northern Lights kind of yeah. feel to it. Yeah, you lost me for a second. Then when you said Northern Lights, I'm back. Oh, yes. Aurora Borealis is the official term of the Northern Lights. Never heard of her. Mm. But the, uh, the the scheme was fire. It was that like, Navy had some orange in it. It was awesome. Uh, and, of course, he ran that scheme last year at New Hampshire, which uh, made me some money on it. So it was, it was good mm. seeing it back out there. Mm, good for you. Thank you. 
Uh, other guys that I, I like to see was, for whatever reason, I really like the Reddick all-black uh, cat app car. There's yeah. A, there's like a giant phone on the side. I feel like the cat cars are always good. Yeah. They're always solid. They, they're nice. Like the hoods, like the logo itself is like aesthetically pleasing, and then it's very easy just to kind of finish out the rest of the car. I, I've liked those cat cars ever since Ward Burton. In the, oh, the, the we're going deuce, deep. Deuce, we're in early yeah. 2000s. The old I like deuce, it. Deuce, yeah. yeah. The last one I have was uh, just big avid bowler over here. I uh, love the Go Bowling 10 car, even though it was trash all day. Yeah. But the Go Bowling sponsor of the race, Go Bowling car, I always love seeing that once a year. Yeah, it was solid. Um, I also had uh, Ryan Blaney's Advanced Auto Parts car. Yeah. I that, think that's, that, that's always solid. That was a new scheme this year. I think it runs like three times a year, but I agree. It's it's something different we haven't seen before, and it mm-hmm. looks pretty good. The problem with these Penske cars is they all use the same things. Uh, don't, oh, moving on. So... Your lead, right? We'll, we'll, we'll get to there. You're gonna, I'm, almost gonna, I'm gonna take it. My worst schemes. I actually had Joey Logano PPG. Yeah, I I wanted to write him down too, just because I thought it was Ryan Blaney the entire race. Even though I knew Blaney was in the advanced auto parts. Yeah. I see the PPG. And I'm like, oh, there's Blaney. Yeah. And BK also ran the PPG earlier this year as well. It reminds me how Gibbs is now using the sport clips. Or the interstate gets shared around. Mm-hmm. So you'll see the interstate car and you're like, man, when did Kyle Busch get the twelfth? Oh, it's Eric Jones? What the what the <laughs> hell? You can't confuse me like that. Like, that's not it doesn't, fair. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. Like, there's numbers that go with schemes. Or BK ran the Dent Wizard, and that's usually a Blaney sponsor. I know they yeah. all share sponsors in Xfinity, but the Cup, usually the guys stick to like the sponsors signed with a specific car or the driver. Yeah. And Penske looks a little bit better because they all have, like, a two involved, but still it just throws you off when you go, oh, there, there is Ryan Blaney. You're now in ninth place. Good to see him. Oh, it's Logano. All right. I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> it confuses the shit out of me. Um, so I had the BK Wabash scheme. Cause, or Wabash. Wabash. I don't know how you say it. Thank you, truckers. Th- yes. I would like to say that we are a pro-trucker podcast before I bash this car. Yes. We love truckers. They go to and fro with all of our um, packages. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what the fuck the hood said on this car. I think it said thank you, truckers, on it. <laughs> I, I I know the ba- the deck lid said it, but the hood it, it's not like the Ally car where you can clearly see what it says on the hood. This there's so much going on that I can't my stupid NASCAR brain can't figure out what the hell it says on the hood. I actually have a really good comparison. Do you remember when Jimmy Johns would have the Harvick car that was like a new like ranch sub or something like that? And instead of having the Jimmy Johns logo on the hood, they would put like some sort of like writing and decal on the hood. And you knew it was a Jimmy Johns car, but you're sitting there going, what the hell does the hood say? I don't know what it says. Then on the side, it would actually read out and say like, our new six inch like ranch sub or something like that yeah. kicking ranch sub that's what's kicking ranch and like what the hell oh, I is love it kicking ranch from Jimmy John's but then, <laughs> shout out Jimmy John's but then uh, the same thing with the BK it's like you have to you have to have things we can read yeah you can't put fucking forty eight point font on the hood of a car <laughs> I can't read that got to be at least seventy two I mean that's bare minimum <laughs> bare minimum uh my other worst scheme was. Uh, not to hate on Heat 5, but I'm going to hate on Heat 5. Well, you just you just hate on Heat 5. You don't hate the scheme. You hate the game. That's actually correct. That's yes. absolutely 100% correct. I had You Heat. actually – I don't know how you can hate Heat 5 because you've never played it. I have, actually. Oh, you have? Yeah. When did you play it? I beat CC all the time in that. Oh, well. Yeah. But, uh, you yeah. didn't buy it, though. That's a valid point. Yeah. But the, I spent my hard-earned dollars on that game, and boy, am I pissed. That's, that's why it's the worst scheme. That's why I got it there. I think it's a cool scheme because it's like you have that little gaming thing at the same time. It's not good. Yeah, you just buy it for the new schemes. 
Did you have anybody else for worst schemes? Um, no, but I'm just going to do this uh, every week where I name the drivers who didn't have a scheme, just in case you're confused of who this was. And the number 15 and 77 did not have a scheme on their card today, on uh, Sunday. Damn. Oh, Quinn Huff, actually. I didn't know what the sponsor was, but I was looking through real quick. It was like a blue and white card. It didn't mm. look too bad. Mm-hmm. Sneaky. 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 Not a bad See, paint scheme. So I went on a rant probably about a week ago about this. If you're going to be a mid to low tier car, you have to have a memorable scheme so I know who you are, which is why I hate on Michael McDowell. I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, Maybe. I don't know. I like the loves car. That's the only one I know. Yeah. Like, because he runs it so much. All these other schemes, I, I don't remember them. I don't know what they are. And you need to have something that catches my eye. Like, oh, that guy in, like, 27th place? That's a sweet car. So you're, what you're saying is you just want Long John Silver's back in that three four car. Yes. Okay. So it's funny. What a car. It's funny you mentioned that we uh, were huge Tim Hill fans. Mm-hmm. And in the '66, a couple of years ago, he used to run like the primary colors or some tertiary colors or fucking some. It was very colorful. It was like a giant neon yellow, green, red, blue. It just stood out. No sponsors on it. But you're just like every time you drive by Red Race, we just yell for Tim. You know he's in 39th place. But big it, time. It was. It's great seeing him out there, and the car stuck out. Worst oh. comes to worst is better than the all black schemes. Better yeah. than the all gray it's schemes. Got to be hot in those all blacks. I saw actually somebody's all white scheme, but that's the well, that was the fifteen was the all white for the heat. But it's just more creative. It looks cooler, and I appreciate it. Yeah, um, going up like kind of piggybacking off that rainbow scheme. Uh, Suarez used that rainbow scheme that he has. Uh, sponsorship, I couldn't tell you, but he, it's like the all black. Oh yeah, with yeah, the, yeah, like the rainbow stripes kind of yeah. going back. That one's not bad. Yeah, it's it's I don't know it's it's gaunt racing. I feel like Toyota is just like their sponsor most of the races. Yeah, it's some sort of toucan. Not even a toucan, because Boyer runs the toucan. Yeah, toucan's fire. Yeah, it is. But that's for another race for another day. I hope hope I see it again. I. We don't have many more races that we could see it. For Boyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was all I had for schemes. Same. I guess we might as well look forward to our upcoming week. Uh, we're going to have actually another double header. We're going to be going to the Dover, Delaware. That's why we brought up the old monster and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, this should be an interesting race because it's another situation where you have the the, the starting lineup for the second race is going to be the inverse of the final results of the first one. So, example, Harvick won the first Michigan race. He then started 20th for the second race. Uh, and, voice, and then Hamlin second, started 19th, or, eight, or started 30th, uh, 18th. Yeah, we get yeah. the pattern, yeah. And then after the 20 and below is just where you actually finish in the race. So you mm-hmm. finish 21st, you start 21st. Yep, so just some uh, details on this race. It's the Dryden 311. It's going to be at 4 o'clock on s- Saturday on NBC Sports Network. Uh, the stages are 70, 115, and 126 for a total of 311 laps. And the track is one mile in length. Uh, the Monster Mile, they call it. Ah, uh, yes, they do. Uh, I believe they're uh, doing the same, because it's the same exact mileage for both races, correct? So it's going to be the same exact setup. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, and what's cool about Dover, which I always liked, it's one of the few concrete tracks. Uh, Bristol would be the other one. And then Martinsville it turns are concrete, but just a different racing surface and kind of I don't know. I just think it's a little little bit cooler than what racing on asphalt. It is a cool track. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool track to watch. We hope. Uh, looking at just who we we like going into the race, uh, the Vegas favorite going in actually is Martin Truex Jr. 
Uh, I didn't get any of the uh, odds off of like the FanDuel Sportsbook or anything like that because I haven't seen them released yet, but I went off NASCAR.com for these. Yeah, we, are, we are recording this on Wednesday as of like 7.30. Yeah. Truex uh, is well-deserved to be the favorite of the race, even though he has one win this season. He has five straight third places just in the 2020 season, and then when you go to Dover, he actually has a top four and six out of the last seven races, including two wins. He's he's going to be a contender all day long. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, he has five top fives in his last six Dover races. Yeah. Like he's an he's a rail. He's yeah. gonna be he's gonna be railed, barring some issue, which he'll probably have some sort of. Speed all right, dude. Come on. For those, I oh, I, oh, yeah. I already bet on Truex, so I yeah. come on, guys. I I haven't made my selection. Um, but we'll, we'll, anyway, moving on. Uh, so we, Truex is. The odds-on favorite for the race. Next is going to be Harvick at four to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just a safe bet going in or before the the droval there. He had nine straight top fives this season. He has the clear <laughs> points lead. He's just everything he does. They unload well with Ronnie Childress. Just sets the car up fantastic. Harvick has the ability to keep care of everything, and they're just they're always up front. Yeah. Uh, at Dover, he actually has four straight top sixes. He has two career Dover wins. Uh, he even has like two or three races, I believe, leading over 200 laps. Uh, may not get the win, but it shows that if you can lead that amount of laps in a race, that you have a dominant car. Yeah. So going up, yeah, yeah, he's five top tens in his last six races, three top fives. I mean, the guy's basically penciled in for a top ten. Yeah, especially the way he's racing this year. There's a reason. It, it's very it, four to one's a little steep, but it's definitely there's a reason why he's that that high. Yeah. Uh, going up next, which kind of shocked me at first, but seeing Elliott third at five and a half to one. Based on what I'm looking at, I'm not shocked. Do you want to touch on that? So Elliott, so this is all the last six races at Dover. He has four top fives, four top tens, and five top 20s. But he is the second most top fives out of any active driver at the track right now, and he does have a win as well. Yeah, I have, I have he also has a, a six top fives career in eight races, which is fantastic. The one thing that sticks out to me, though, is – I don't. He's only led over 100 laps twice, so I think he's that contender for just like Harvick for that top five maybe. Well, I don't know if he, I don't know if I'd put him as a third best chance to win, just because I don't see that speed. What definitely does help them though is he won the All Star race a couple weeks ago or a month ago it was, which was also a concrete track at Bristol. They're using the same package uh, this season for all the short tracks, which are under 1.3 miles in length, which is at 750 horsepower. So it's the same package. One of the all-star races on a similar track. Ran really well at Bristol early in the year. So maybe that, and starting on the pole, maybe that's what's going to lead him to just, like, take over the race. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not surprised that he's up there, yeah. especially, especially coming off of a win as well. Yeah. Um, he, and he struggled of late too, because he was absolutely on fire earlier in the year. He almost arguably could have won four straight races. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of, kind of, I'm not went downhill, but like he didn't have that leading speed. He has that like fifth to eighth speed right now. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the next guy they had in the odds is at seven and a half to one. Denny Hamlin. Last fall he led 218 laps. Uh, he's run first or second almost every race this year. You look, look at the whole schedule. You can argue Denny could have like won it uh he has no wins at dover but again he's got six top tens on his last eight races there and he's absolutely flying in 2020 you just have to pencil him as a top five favorite for any track yeah agreed i I don't have anything to add you pretty much covered all of it for denny uh bk's next at 11 to 1 uh he'd be the last guy that would really put in as like the big five for this race i would list 
Truex and Harvick is like the dominators in my opinion. Then the Elliott Hamlin BK is the next top three for the contenders. But uh, he he's ran second, first, or second. Uh, if we crashed at Michigan, he was, in, he was in first. But he's ran those three straight top twos in the last month. So he's definitely showing the speed. He's not fantastic at uh, result-wise at Dover, but he definitely shows the leading cars. He leads laps in most of the races. Yeah, so what what I'm looking at is the top 10 uh, active average finishers at Dover. Um, now, you can probably take Suarez out of this top 10. I wrote him down because he is third, technically, but he's run in Gibbs and Stuart Haas before this year. But I just want to put him in there just so – you know that he actually doesn't run terrible yeah, here. He, he's definitely deserving. So we're basically what Zach's saying if he had that same equipment, yeah, we'd pencil him as a sleeper. But because his equipment, we are not going to yeah, do that. He averages a top ten finish here in yeah. good equipment. Yeah, exactly. Um, another guy I have on here um, is Alex Bowman. Okay. Who? Yeah, he's a mile and a half god. Yeah. So far, um, but in four, so he's only run four races at Dover. And this is since 2017. So he's run four races. He has two top fives, two top tens. I think he had a second place, too, last year, correct? I I, I believe you're correct. Oh, uh, did I steal your thunder? No, I didn't have that down. Okay, but yeah, um, he, he had but a second he, place. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't actually – he doesn't have the average finish that you want to see at 14. But he's a guy that if he's running sixth place, you should not be surprised. Another sleeper I have just – and let me go to these sleepers. We're not saying that they could be a threat to win, like an outside chance to win. We still like to stick to the top guys because, in reality, those guys are who win. But if you're looking for, like, betting a top 10 bet or maybe a top 5 bet. Or, like, a group bet, something like yeah, that. A yeah, a group bet, even a fan do lineups, something like that. These are the guys we'd say you should target that are maybe aren't those most expensive guys that are available. Uh, I – I talked to him earlier. I love Jimmy Johnson. They Vegas has him at twenty two to one, which is not terrible odds if you want to take a chance to like ten dollars or twenty dollars on somebody. Just because again, he's won eleven races at Dover. Like, he is a Dover king. His last win was at Dover. He brought back the white car, known for the Dover white. Uh, I just think that if he doesn't win here, where else is he going to win? Uh, nowhere. Yeah, and if you look at Martinsville, which is the same package, he ran – and Bristol in the year two. Both the times they used this low horse, or the high-horsepower package, the 750, he ran really well both those races. He may have crashed out – no, he finished third at Bristol. He finished third at Bristol, and Martinsville, he hit one of the fastest cars for, uh, for a couple – I don't know, like 10% of the race. Uh, another sleeper I have is going to be Clint Boyer, just because I think he's, like, again, not going to win – but him being 35 to 1, I think is almost insulting to Boyer. He has a sixth and a fourth here in his last six races. The other races were not so well, some issues, or just like not having a good car. But just that shows that he does have the ability to finish up front. And they weren't fluky races. He actually earned those positions. And I don't know, even the, look at he finished second at Bristol in the year, too. So he has the speed on, and he ran well at Martinsville, too. So like he has the speed. You just hope for Boyd every race. He's coming off a sixth mm-hmm. place, but he's going to make a mistake or his team's making a mistake. He doesn't have the consistency. But I like that at 35-1 to as someone who gets deep in the field, maybe could pull something out, similar to Bowman. Yeah, so the thing with Boyer, and he bitches about it every single race, is he doesn't run well in traffic. And at Dover, you're going to be in traffic. Pretty much, If there's any long green flag run, you're going to be in traffic, whether it's lap traffic or it doesn't matter. 
So this track is definitely not set up for him to run well. Oh, look at that. I, I flipped my stats around. Classic flip-flopper. Yeah, Jones actually ran sixth and fourth here, but Boyer has <laughs> top tens and four of his last five. He's ran the top five in the other one before he crashed, and then he ran second at Bristol and ran at Martinsville. But Jones is the last guy I had. He ran sixth and fourth here in six races. Whenever Gibbs is fast, he's fast, and I think right now they're kind of dialed in as yep. we see Truex, Denny, even Kyle Busch. He, he crashes eyes issues, but he shows the speed still. But yeah, Boyer and Jones are the last two guys ahead, and Jones is at twenty-five to one. Yeah, and, and like we said, neither I wouldn't bet personally any of those guys to win, like Jones or yeah. Boyer. I wouldn't bet those guys to win, but those are guys that you want to look at your Fanduel right around like ten grand. Yeah, even some even a little bit lower, but yeah, those yeah. are definitely the guys you want to take a like look at. Like between ten five and like maybe even eight five. Those are definitely guys like who are viable options. Um, a lot of times they make or break your lineup. Says if just if like if you pencil in uh, last week, you said all right, I want Truex or I want Elliott. You know for sure probably you want them to be like your leader, your dominator. You get the lap sled, the fast slaps. But if you don't have those guys that run that fifth to fifteenth range or anywhere in that, that's just going to cost you the points in the long run. Yeah. Uh, just again, a quick recap. We like Truex a lot uh, as our favorite. Uh, Harvick could be the other guy to be the dominator just because of what way. He's run this season. Elliot Hamlin BK is our next class. And then sleepers, we have Jimmy, we got Jones, we got Boyer, and we got Bowman. Just as guys that are a little lower down but still show just the speed or past results at Dover or tracks at similar uh, packages. Yeah, so this is just uh, – I feel like I, I'm going to say this every week uh, until he actually, like, wins. And I hate this guy. Ryan Blaney. No. Oh. Um, I hate this guy. I hate Kyle Busch more than any driver on the track. Um but he is one of the best drivers in NASCAR. So I feel like every single week, especially with a double header, maybe not so much the Saturday race, and we'll get to the Sunday race, but I just I, I feel like every single week Kyle Bush could win. He's definitely a guy because he has, I think, 56 career wins or something. I think Harvick just got right up behind him for the career wins list. It's something that you are not surprised to see Kyle Bush ever up front. No matter mm-hmm. how good he's running, any issues he's had, there was races. I remember like Bristol last year when he went like two laps down, had no like rear like any all his like quarter panels were, like ripped off, and he still almost won the race. He's a guy where he has so much talent, so much just history of winning. You expect him to always run up front, and he's going through like a rough patch of struggle right now. But his Gibbs teammates as a whole are running really well, so you expect him and MCs to figure it out. Zach mentioned that. The second race of double headers, he tends to run really well. Uh, Michigan, he didn't make any major adjustments, but he ran, uh, I think it was fourth in the second Michigan race, mm-hmm. and I think it was like fourth or fifth in the first one. Pocono, he ran fifth or sixth in the first one. Then I think he actually had a definite contender. He was as fast as Hamlin was early in the race before the uh, some of the pit cycles. Uh, that Pocono, too, he ended up getting into Blaney and crashing. But it, mm. it, it was a love tap. He got into Blaney? Yeah. Is that what we're going with? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But uh, I just think it, practice has hurt him. He isn't able, able to tune his car in. And Adam Stevens in the 18 team maybe is relying too much on Kyle Busch's input where you see me other teams just say, hey, we're unloading a fast car. Deal with it. Yeah. And Kyle Busch is more of a feel guy. He wants things a certain way. And without the practices, it's been very hard for him to figure out a nice balance with that. Yeah. And you almost think it's – almost impossible for a driver this good to be struggling this much but that's just when you're in such a routine with practices and then qualifying you're in a weekend routine and that suddenly just stops it's it's tough 
It's where you get in your head a little bit. There was another thing too where he would race. Uh, he already raced all of his, I think, his truck races. I think he's one Xfinity race left in this season or something and, like and that. And there's only certain ones that he can run in. Yeah. But it, it, you see that when he runs those races, it just gets him maybe a little acclimated to the track a little bit, gets him in the groove of things, and then he's able to kind of – the cars aren't exactly the same as the cup cars, but it allows him that track time, feel out, oh, it, where the PJ one strong at, things he can do or he can't do in the track. Just gives him extra little like, notes to go into Sunday yeah. instead of going in just empty-handed. Yeah, so I, I guess our advice would be maybe stay away Saturday depending on what his – what his odds are, what his FanDuel uh, salary is. But Sunday, he could be a decent option, depending on how he looks on Saturday. The one nice thing that will happen, though, for Saturday is he will be starting in the back just because his res- where he finished at uh, last week at the road course. That will definitely give you some uh, per- position differential to yes. help out. Same thing with Blaney. I just don't really like Blaney at his current value. I think he's 11000 on FanDuel, and I don't think he's going to be a top-five car, so it's I see better options than the guys we kind of listed out. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, I think that's all we have for Dover, just because we can't really go over the second race because yeah, there's, there's nothing. It's it's the same exact stages. Uh, was it 70, 70, 115, 126, same length. Same sponsor, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's the Dryden 311 again. With uh, It's going to be interesting with uh, Dover. I don't know if it's going to be as easy as Michigan was for like the, the first race. Really, you could set the second race exactly the same. No one really changed. I think Dover might be a little more guys making adjustments between races. And then you can see that, oh, this guy figured something out after having that practice time in the first race. Where a guy like Michigan or other double headers, we had Darlington's other double header. It seemed that the same guys that were good the first race were good the second race as well. Yeah, and they're so they will have like there's going to be races before they race on Saturday. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. I have it written down. It's uh, I believe there's six races in three days at Dover. Yeah, the Xfinity between Cup, Xfinity, Truck, and Arca. Okay, there's six races. Uh, so by the time that they race on Saturday at four, there's, sh- there will be three races already. So there's going to be rubber bound on the track, uh, which is so helpful for cop cars. Yeah. It just, it just gives, you can see uh, another prime example. I don't want to put a thorn in your side here, especially with the way that they, the way that rubber sticks to concrete, but Joey Logano was a prime example of Martin's lawyer this year where he led 250, like the first half of the race, he almost lapped the whole field basically. Yeah, I know. And then you could see that people came in, made adjustments. Maybe there was a different grip in the turns because of letting on the rubber, things of that nature where he still ran well, but he didn't have that, holy shit, no one's catching the 22 yeah, this speed. Is, this is going to be a big tracks changing track. Yes. Uh, especially starting at four, you're probably going to kind of go into uh, like a – uh, dusk almost it's, it's going to cool down a lot um you're going to see a lot of adjustments need to be you're going to see the, the, the lines race. change too just be where the rubber is at everyone's going to be searching for grip and i always love watching dover just because of that exact reason you may see harvick be his normal bottom feeder self then we used to have uh, uh maybe larson run the high side other guys may run like a diamond or a middle lane it just gives you a lot more options uh, with that being said some of the news we've seen recently actually has been about kyle larson uh, many teams are kind of chatting about maybe bringing him back, and he still has to be officially reinstated by NASCAR. But he definitely presents an interesting option for teams because he has such a talent. It's just that, again, that big negative, that publicity goes with it. Yeah, so Tony Stewart came out today um, and basically told NASCAR to give this guy another chance. 
Um, Tony's and, Tony deserved one as well early in his career. Yeah, so you could say Tony Stewart had a bit of a checkered past in uh, the sport. Um, so for him to come out after getting a second chance and saying Larson deserves a second chance, granted what Larson did is really tough for sponsors to get behind, Yeah, especially right now. You, you can see it evident. I believe you, you read that Chevy won't even pick him up, and also that that Chevy's rules out done with him, yeah. that rules out a third. Then Toyota has no spots available, so it almost limits him to a Ford car. Yeah, and even with Tony Stewart coming out and saying he deserves a shot, he doesn't have room for Kyle Larson. Yeah, his one spot they would open up because you look at the, their stable. Harvick's locked up; he's not going anywhere. Uh, the tens contract expires Almarola, but the way that he's been running this year has been so strong. He's expected to come back, yeah. And he brings that Smithfield thirty race sponsorship with him. He's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. Custer, he's a rookie. Uh, Ford loves him. You want to race Kentucky? He just deserves to stay. And plus, he's signed at the, usually the contracts in NASCAR are two to three years, usually three years. So he's probably locked in. But the fourteen is expiring, and Boyer has been. He's not been terrible, terrible, but he's definitely underachieved collectively. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. That's why these rumors are popping up of maybe with like the you said Stewart and Larson's kind of like parallels that maybe that fourteen could be a Larson car. Yeah, it's gonna be tough to overlap Briscoe though. Going into that fourteen, I mean, this dude runs a Shelby Cobra on Xfinity. <laughs> That's the sickest thing I've ever seen. That car is. I love. He's the helmet. He has the full on. It's like watching Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, it, I mean. It, it's going to be tough to get Larson in the 14 over Briscoe, especially coming off a guy who hasn't raced since February or uh, what, March, pretty yeah. much. I mean, besides dirt track, but yeah. it's dirt track. And you have a Xfinity guy tearing it up. What's nice about Chase, too, is uh, Briscoe, that he's a Ford uh, driver, and the Ford like racing team loves him. They want him to move up. He's from Indiana. He idolizes Tony Stewart. He's already a Stewart Haas car. So even if they can't find some sponsorship, you could see a situation like we have with uh, maybe like Eric Jones where Toyota sponsors him or how Haas sponsors the 41. So the manufacturer could send some help if they say, hey, put this guy in here. Plus, another really important thing is he's definitely going to draw a lot cheaper of a contract. Yeah. As Larson, I believe, was projected, if this was a normal year pre-COVID, pre-issue, was like $8 million per year, just his salary, mm-hmm. where I think Briscoe's a rookie would be probably like two-ish. Maybe, yeah. So you're definitely seeing a dramatic de- decrease there, which can make up for a sponsorship lack. However, though, kind of going off of that, they said Larson in a COVID era would probably draw – Anywhere between four and five and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but without sponsorships and his current situation, he might be kind of close to where Briscoe's at in terms of salary. Because yeah. he brings nothing. He almost, but, yeah. Except for the talent. That's all he's really bringing. He, the only situations that I can think of off the top of my head of this were like Kurt Bush had the issues with things like DUI and then he had, or something like that. They had the issues with like the domestic violence or something. And he ended up going into the Phoenix Racing 51 for half a year. And that car, I mean, that that car was dog shit. Mm-hmm. And there was one race where he's like running second and third. Sonoma blew an axle out. But it was like, holy shit, this guy's working his ass off. He went to Furniture Row before Truex got there. And the second half of that year, it was RCR uh, affiliated. So it still had some decent equipment. He was running top 10 consistently. And then he parlayed that into getting the 41 ride with uh, uh kind of we're talking about with the Haas team, but it definitely helped his career out. Almondinger had a similar issue. He got kicked out of uh, Penske. He was usually running the 22 car. People forget. I think it was amphetamines of some sort. 
And then, yes. then he had, like, I think, a little bit of layoff sort of and came back. It wasn't the full Penske team, but, again, you're still the 47 is a respectable team. Like, you'd still, like, have some good races with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just in today's day and age, it's a very tough spot for Larson to be at, especially when sponsors mean so much and they don't want to have that negative attachment. Yeah, and whatever you think of what Larson said and did, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to NASCAR politics, and talent is going to overrule everything. You're going to see Larson back in a cup car, whether you like it or not, whether it's 2021 or 2022. He's going to be in a cup car. And even with the comments, like he's had a lot of support from the garage. Even I think Bubba Wallace has talked to him right after it happened. And they, they, the NASCAR community is very tight. Even you could see with Bubba Wallace when the the, the noose incident, things like that. So. There is forgiving, and he's paid his dues. It's one of those things where maybe he also realized that there's things that he didn't know or there's things that he can't say, like why he said such hurtful things that really enlighten him. Yeah. One example. And the way he said it, too, it was just no – it was so nonchalant where it was an issue. That, one, that's another thing, too. Yeah. One thing that I always think of, just quick switching gears, but as someone who I always look at who made mistakes in their past and they completely turned their life around was like Michael Vick. And I bring this up just because I just watched like the ESPN documentary on it because I missed it the first time it was on like it was a year, good years ago. But he's a guy that had the dog fighting issues and it wasn't really him or whatever, but he knew about it and he didn't think anything of it and it offends a lot of people. And he realized that, and he's been a huge supporter of just the community, dogs, everything with that. He's completely turned his life around. He's been used as a role model. I think if Kyle Larson did a similar thing and actually realized what he can do to, like, better the situation, uh, I think it would definitely go a long way as just trying to, like, wait, out, wait it out. Yeah, and a, t- a Twitter apology the day after isn't going to do anything either. Exactly. you got to come out like, like Michael Vick did and go to, like, full force. PETA, PETA yeah. press conferences. you got to – you got to make up for this. It, it's going to be tough. It's going to yeah. be tough, but I, I think Larson is a good enough guy, and he knows that he fucked up. Yeah. Uh, probably every week when he goes to a dirt track race, he's like, damn, I'm going to win, but this fucking sucks. Yeah. And he's he's coming in. When he comes back, NASCAR is going to be a completely different sport in terms of culture and, and in terms of stigma. Yeah. He's not coming back to – he Confederate flags waving in the infield. It's not the same sport. He definitely has a short leash too, where anything, even just a completely different topic. If anything happens, any controversy whatsoever, you definitely know there, there's going to be a quick, quick cut. In his yeah. Career. He doesn't have a long leash. Yeah. Uh, no, no puns intended towards Michael Vick. <laughs> Full circle. Speaking of his former ride, the 42, that's another car that's available, and we kind of touched on how sponsors didn't want to be involved with Larson. That's where Chevy actually dropped him for Ganassi did. And then uh, the other main sponsors were like McDonald's, Advent Health, Clover. Um, I think I'm, I'm missing any. You said McDonald's? Yeah. Uh, Credit One. Credit Inc. That, that's the other one I was missing. So those sponsors, I think, played a major part in bringing Kenseth in. They actually contacted Concrete Edwards first, or Concrete Carl Edwards first. Oh, I would have loved Concrete back in the sport. Same. but he ha- I think he hates NASCAR more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> probably for different reasons, but actually money's probably involved for both of them. But uh, Not a big stage guy. Don't talk to him about stages. <laughs> but uh, with Carl, uh, he declined. He actually did a, a really weird like, similar things in news last week. But the blew, four- blew up on Reddit. Blew yeah, up it, on Reddit. Yeah. It was a hot Reddit rumor. 
But the 42, Kenseth definitely played a major part in the sponsorship's eyes because he's that clean past. He has a championship. Uh, he, he's just that guy where you want to be the face of the organization. The issue is he's 48 now, and the results that he provides aren't matched with like, what's worth. You know you can get someone there is better right now. Yeah, when you're seeing Kurt run top 10 almost every single race, at some point he's in the top 10 every single race. Same exact equipment. And you don't see Kenseth anywhere near him. That's a problem. He had the, his initial race at Darlington. He had a good race. And then he had one at Indy where he was a top five car. He did that same shit when he filled in for uh, the, the six. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he had one race where you're like, holy shit, Kenseth might win this race. I think it was Indy as well. Yeah. I think it was the same exact race. Yeah, he's like, this guy might win the race. And then every other week after that, you're like, oh, he's 48 years old. Our big rumors for that 42 spot are going to be – uh, Bubba Wallace is number one because he's the most marketable driver in the sport. He's the hottest driver in the sport. We've seen that with, what was it, DoorDash, Columbia, Beats, uh, Cash App. Cash App, yep. All have signed on to him. He's got an influx of cash. He's going to bring those sponsors with him. They're not signed to RPM. That would definitely. I'm pretty sure he's like a spokesperson for Columbia. Yeah, now too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all like the hunting, fishing, and outdoor gear. Yeah. He is like their guy for that. Mm hmm. I think with that same sponsorship McDonald's been floating around, with that increase in equipment, you could see that it's a natural fit for Bubba. Plus, it's a nice, very nice publicity for Ganassi. Mm -hmm. Then the way they look up uh, Larson to bring in Bubba. And Bubba was a guy that he was a Gibbs driver uh, initially, uh, growing through a truck in Xfinity. But I've always wanted to see him in maybe a little better equipment. I think he's always raced a little bit better than the, than the car he was given. Especially this year, it's been evident. He might take a 20th place car and finish 16th. But if you go, again, if you get an elite car, that's going to be like your results and it'll be top five results. Yeah, you've seen flashes from Bubba this year, for sure. Um, my whole thing with Bubba staying at the 4-3, though, is all of these sponsorships... Um, and the current contract offer that he has from Petty with partial ownership gives him a lot of incentive to stay and put a lot of his own money into the car and just all these sponsorships making this car good because this car, the last person to win in the 43 was Eric Amarola and Eric Amarola hasn't been in the 43 car in three years. Well, you can probably go past that. See, he won the restricted playoff. I think it was a rain race, too. He didn't actually like, win it, win it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think you can go back and look at 43 drivers. Like, we can probably can try to name off. Like, I think it was like, what, Andretti, Labani, uh, maybe Johnny Benson for a hot second. If we can't even think of who was in the 43, that's how irrelevant that car is. The been. 43 has been relevant since Richard Petty got out of the car. <laughs> so. I just one thing we we kind of talked about was ever when the news broke that uh, Levine Racing is being sold and that Spire's taken over, but they're but they're RCR affiliates, so they're gonna be Chevys. So Gibbs lost in TRD Toyota Racing Development lost the other like satellite team. They're still searching for another car or another team to pair with. I think you could see maybe that RPM becomes Toyota. They add a second car. And then you use Gibbs equipment for the 43 plus that second car. And that would give – that would be a perfect situation for Bubba. He's got ownership. He has the car. He has the sponsors. It would be definitely something that I'm very interested in looking forward to. Yeah, so kind of going back to that, uh, the Justin Marks team that's coming in, they want to start racing next year. So you could even look at them as being like, hey, Richard Petty, uh, 
I know you guys might want a second car. Just uh, throw us that charter, and we'll be whatever number you want. <laughs> the, the, the only other options that I really see for Bubba, if I look at the 48 seat, which is going to be vacated by Jimmy Johnson, and then the 42 seat, which you brought up with. So it's not like there's going to be a ton, a ton of options. And the 42, we touched on Bubba. The only other guy would go there to be Eric Jones, maybe. That Eric Jones makes the most sense out of everybody not named Bubba Wallace. And the only reason he's available is because, again, when Levine Racing was gone, that forced Christopher Bell or forced Toyota to make a decision whether they wanted Christopher Bell or Eric Jones. Jones' contract was expiring, but there was mutual interest in bringing him back. They had to then move the 95 Christopher Bell car to the 20, and now it leaves Eric Jones searching for a ride. And, again, similar issues, 14, 42, and the uh, – uh, the tw- uh, 48 mm-hmm. seem to be the only three cars available, and someone's gonna be like left out. Looks like yeah. Um, so just just all the relevant rides coming, and we're not talking about like mid to low level teams because they, they switch out so much that it's not even. If somebody signs, we'll bring it up, but right now it's just not it's worth mu- it. Take musical chairs. Yeah. Um. So we already brought up uh, Rolla staying in the ten. Correct. There has been some chatter, though, about Stuart Haas uh, keeping tabs on Eric Jones for the possible 14 really? car. Yeah, which um, was brought up in a Larson article I was reading. Okay. Um, and that would be a very interesting move for I, – I don't see it happening. I think Jones goes to the 42, personally. Uh, but to see Jones go into a 14 car where you have Kevin Harvick and – Rolla kind of is your top two guys and you're in better equipment than like 90% of the field. Yeah. That team could kind of dominate. I have not heard of the rumor, but it's definitely interesting because I kind of pencil in Briscoe as the automatic. Yeah. But it looks like Boyer for sure isn't returning. It sounds it, like he's going to go to the booth. The Fox booth. And I want that. The Fox yeah. booth needs that. Badly. But nothing against Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon personally, but them broadcasting NASCAR races together, I'd rather listen to, like, I don't know, Jack Morris and Kirk Gibson call it Tiger's Baseball, which is a very obscure reference, but it'll put you to sleep. Um, I mean, you could argue that both at times are equally as entertaining, uh, Tiger's games and NASCAR races, uh, but, man, that's a tough comparison. I don't know which one I'd rather watch, to be honest. And Eric Jones presents much upside because he's a guy that the only person I could really, really think of, and this guy was a little more highly touted, but Joey Logano, when he was at Gibbs, also was in a 20 car. He started off as a really young driver, was tabbed as the next big, like, big thing. Yeah, Lug- the Logano hype was insane. Eric Jones didn't have that much sliced bread uh, hype. But he has the results. Is it was it twenty? Was he twenty four years old? He's twenty four. He has four years of cup experience. Yeah, and he's he's Two already wins. He you see like even racing race out, he still has contending speed, especially in the top ten. Sometimes it takes drivers a little longer to the point. I even saw uh, some stats that show that drivers' actual peaks are age thirty nine season. Yeah, that's crazy. They've seen it with Kevin Harvick. They saw it with Dale Jarrett. They saw it with Martin Truex Jr. I don't, I don't even know if Kevin Harvick is a. Like he's an anomaly here. Yeah, but, he he shouldn't be thrown in because he's it, a fucking robot. Even Jimmy Johnson, like he had such a big drop off as he's gotten older from thirty eight to forty four now. It, these drivers need time just to get experience. It's not it's not as simple as being as really faster than anyone next fitting level. It there's a adjustment period. That's why you never see rookies really dominate or win nowadays. Mm-hmm. So Jones is such a. I think a talent and such an opportunity for someone to come and swoop in just like Penske did with Logano. 
Yeah, and Jones is a guy you can build around. He like exactly. He's a high character guy. Uh, Toyota loved him. Like the the breakup between Toyota and uh, Jones is it, it's tough because just of how like he grew up in the Toyota system. Um, losing his dad, like he's turned to Toyota as kind of a, a family almost. And he's had so much success there. It might not be in wins, but he runs well. He's always, yeah. whether it's in the 77 uh, for the year uh, or in the 20, he's always run well. So that's the issue we're talking about. Without Levine, there's no more Toyota satellite camps, only the four really Gibbs cars. So they might, so the only team that could be, would be the Gaunt brothers in right. the 96. With Suarez already. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's a former Gibbs guy too. So that makes the most sense. But we, I haven't really seen anything on Gibbs trying to find uh, another charter team. Suarez is another guy that I do feel bad for. I'm not saying he's the greatest driver in he the world. He kind of got shafted. I'm not saying he's the greatest driver in the world, but he got, in my opinion, thrown into the 19 car a little too early. Like He wasn't prepared for it. When Carl Edwards retired, like the middle of like January, December, it was, it was like a yeah. shocking well, They retirement. were prepared for Carl Edwards to retire. And then, That's a whole other yeah, can of worms. But he didn't. The other Gibbs guys were fantastic. He wasn't running as well. And then he ended up losing his ride because obviously when Furniture Road, same thing with Eric Jones, when Furniture Road lost the the chart or they sold the team, they put Truex in 19, that kicks Suarez out. Suarez then goes to the 41, doesn't have the success. The teammates there, Kurt Busch, should be forming the 41, and everyone kind of labels him as like a bust or isn't a good driver. When I still think there's talent there, they, he just needs time to find his own, and it's almost like unfair criticism for someone who everything is new, the stock cars are different, like, all the racing is comp- it's not as easy as people think. Yeah, I mean he was a he had a lot of promise coming up through the system too, through the Gibbs system, like Xfinity. He was he ran very he won a well. Title. Yeah, he won a title. Um, it, it's just kind of one of those things where a guy just it's wrong place, wrong time. You just get bumped from your ride. It's kind of yeah, exactly like Jones right now. Like Bell, they've spent was it tw- Toyota spent twenty three million dollars developing Christopher Bell. Yeah, it was something absurd. Yeah, so the, it, it, it's just kind of like you lose the nine five, and Jones is just kind of the shit out of luck guy. The, the other reference I would use it'd be like let's say in insert sport you draft somebody in the first round. Whoever's in charge is going to be like, hey, I spent this to get this person. I don't care if they fail. I want to use them. When you may have somebody who's a lower-round pick, like an undrafted player, a lesser-name player, who's outplaying them, they won't see the playing time usually. They want the first-round pick because that's like the that's the stigma of, like, oh, this guy's going to be good because we picked him here yeah. or that kind of thing. And, and con- the contract price as well factors into why Bell yeah. is taking over Jones. Yeah. Because, I mean, Bell's older. with, Which is insane to think three about. Three years less experience. And he's still getting the cup ride. So I, I take this personally. I'm, I'm an Eric Jones fan. Uh, just a summary of, again, the teams we're talking about. 14, uh, we've had rumors with Boyer's going to go to the Fox booth, looks like. Briscoe, we're thinking, is going to replace the 14. Bell and Larson have also kind of been rumored. We don't really see the applause, like, being plausible. Bell? I'm sorry, uh, Jones. Oh. Jones yeah, and Larson. Yeah, jo- Jones is just like a random article that I read with some sort of credibility to it. I wouldn't look too much into Jones to the 14. He, The ride that makes the most sense for him is 4-2 or the 4-8. And look at the 4-2. We have Bubba. Could be an uh, option with just, again, the, the Ganassi losing Larson mm-hmm. and just having that would be like a perfect 180 for them. Uh, in the common sponsor, McDonald's, uh, they he brings a lot of sponsors. So he'd definitely be a, a pick for anybody. Other option would be Jones for the 42. I don't really see anybody else. 
Ross Chastain's one guy who got mentioned, but, but he's I, he's probably going to go to the one after Kurt leaves. Yeah, I could see him when Spire buying that extra charter that he put in the Spire car to run a full season at Cup for the first time. Uh, I think if they were going to put him in the 42, it would have been right after Larson left. I think the sponsors want someone a little more experienced for them to stay on. Yeah, it for Ross, if you're not in the 4-2 after Larson leaves, you should probably be a little concerned about where your next ride is going to be. Yeah, but he, he I give him, he's a workhorse. I give him that. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he just kind of – He's been grinding in the minors. He's, he's, I think he's going to go the route of like a Dibodetto and hope that you can just keep on clawing up rides and eventually you find yourself maybe in a little more stable situation. He's got to be – Similar age to people's driver now. I think Dibodeau is a little bit older. I think Ross is probably, I gotta look, I don't know, 24, 25. I think There's a few years. Yeah, yeah a few years. Dibodeau was interesting too because he actually right now is sitting comfortably ish in the bubble. I think he's 14th in the standings, but his ride expires at the end of the season, and Sindrick has been lighting up the Xfinity series of late. And on top of that, his dad is a Penske. He's the president of Team Penske. Boom. Like That's a guaranteed ride. That's an Austin Dillon situation. That, that literally translates to guaranteed ride. That was a ricochet ride. shot. Sorry, so actually you're not bad, Austin Dillon. That was a ricochet shot if you're safe for your whole career. Uh, Lifetime contract. Exactly. Incoming. Uh, with Dub Dettel, though, I think he's earned the ride, and they might keep Cindric down an extra year. And like, one of the rumors or like theories that I've seen is that they're going to – when BK earned – like, he was phenomenal. He was so good this year. They had to resign him for one more year. That they're going to, when his contract expires in the next year, they're going to move Blaney to the two and then either put Cindric in the 12 or the 21. They kind of fit all that together. And then our last ride is going to be the 48 with Johnson. This has been interesting because it sounds like Hendrick doesn't want to downsize. They want to keep four cars, but they're lacking sponsorship. Yeah. So, like, they're not lacking sponsorship with the 48. They're lacking sponsorship with the 88. Correct. Yeah. Sorry and about so one possibility is they move Bowman to the 48 and just completely get rid of the 88 because they kind of been riding the coattails of junior since he left the 88 with their sponsors. But those have, well, they're, they're drifting away. What killed them there was nationwide left. Nationwide was like a huge sponsor mm-hmm. for a majority of the races. And when they pulled, it kind of left a big void and they've kind of penciled. We saw like uh, a Cronus sponsored, uh, Valvin has a few races, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of races where we see him, uh, Bowman sitting in like the Chevrolet, Goods, Chevrolet Chevy parts. Goods, yeah, yeah. it just they need a little more funding, and it sounds like Hendrick is looking to either save money or find someone that has sponsorship yeah. to come in. So I think the eighty eight is safe for another year because I think they they re-signed Bowman in the uh, early early this year for another year. So mm-hmm. the eighty eight is safe for at least one more year. They could just find a stopgap guy for the forty eight. Like, wasn't Allgaier the one who filled in for Jimmy? Correct, yeah. So you could you could just find some random Xfinity guy like Allgaier to fill in for the 4.8 until maybe you want Larson in 2022 in the 4.8. Yeah, I could wait a little bit, um, waiting game for it. I could see that happening. I don't see them downsizing, though. Agreed. Uh, so the other option would be, as Zach mentioned, would definitely be a maybe a stopgap and go for Larson, which I would actually love that theory. The other options present itself would be a Bubba. Like we talked about, brings a sponsor with him, mm-hmm. give him a little better equipment. Other guys would be a Eric Jones, who's definitely a hot commodity for any vacant seat that isn't filled up like a rookie. And the only really guys I really heard of is John Hunter Nemechek or um, Corey LaJoy. LaJoy might do a similar thing we kind of mentioned that Ross or Dibdetto has done of kind of worked their way up. He even we said he penciled a handwritten letter to Rick Hendrick. Which was promptly burned. <laughs> trying to persuade him to, uh, you know, just give him, just give him a chance. 
maybe he actually is the guy. Maybe they give LaJoy a one-year contract and then go to Larson, but like at least LaJoy gets a chance. Yeah, because LaJoy doesn't have any sponsorships. Correct. Yeah. And I don't know. The 48's kind of a mess right now. It's definitely interesting. Outside of that, there really isn't any silly season rumors. I kind of covered it. Each week will kind of go into any more details or developments, but those are our three main rides we see available, especially with the, the Jones-Bell-Levine racing situation at Gibbs. And uh, we'll be back next week to cover the same exact thing here. We'll have our, any news. We'll go race recap of the Dover double-header, and then we'll look into Daytona as well as the playoff bubble and just – the, I don't know. It's almost that time this season now for the playoffs, so it's going to get really interesting. Yeah, we're in playoffs. We're in the hardest silly season. we still got so many guys to be announced for rides. Once one of them falls, they're going to be like dominoes. Like, as soon as one ride gets taken up, you're going to see a lot of rides filling up, phrasing, and it's going to be it's going to be fun. The next few weeks are going to be fun, even if the races aren't that good. Am I closing? Thanks for listening. <laughs> Just